Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, June 16th. It is a free-for-all today. I've got some things I want to talk about here at the open, but I'll get to your calls as soon as we have some. So line them up. Anything goes today. If you have a question, a comment, a topic, we'll talk about anything you want. 855-950-3835 is the number to join us. I'll be here for the next hour or more, depending on the call volume. I'll stick around as long as I've got calls to answer all the way up until... Uh, 1230 Eastern Time, 930 here on the West Coast, and then we'll head on into Rolling Toe. Mike and Kevin Beckett will be doing that show today, so stay tuned for that as well. All right, calls are starting to, oh, they were coming in, they just dropped. Um, Lines are open, 855-950-3835. Line them up. I'll get to those calls here in a little bit. Whatever you want to talk about is fair game today. So here's my challenge right now. I like to keep you up to date on what's going on in the markets, what's going on in the economy, what's going on in the industry. Unfortunately, when I read the news right now, it's all bad. Everything. Can't find a single piece of good news in the economy right now. Back in 2017, we started talking about, you know, when is the next recession coming? We know it's coming. They always do. This is a business cycle. There does seem to be a pattern that each one gets a little worse. That's a little scary. Go back to, you know, the downturn in the mid 90s was pretty bad. Then around 2000, the dot-com burst was pretty bad. 08, Um, probably the worst recession and pullback I've seen. Um, I've, I've talked about the fact that I was just getting out of high school when, uh, Carter was president and a lot of things changed in the economy. And we're, we're really comparing today to that time. We're actually breaking some records that were set back then. The economy was so bad in the early eighties. So I think we're probably heading for something like that. Now, I didn't understand the economy back then. I really didn't understand politics. I do remember it was a pretty bad time. You know, mortgage rates at 15%, uh, CDs at 10%. We're probably heading back to that. Uh, It's the best predictor we have what happened back in the early 80s. The good news is when we came out of that bad economy and um, Reagan was president, we had some of our best times uh, in the country for a very, very long time. We were prosperous. There was a lot of good news. Things were positive. Um, I would have to say that during Reagan's time as president is probably some of the best times I've seen in my lifetime, as far as the economy, politics, the general attitude of the whole country, it would be awesome to get back to something like that. Um, It's hard to even imagine based on where we are with politics right now. Um, But here's, here's what we know. We got the timing wrong. We were predicting back in 2017 that 
that recession would come within the next probably 24 months. So we really thought by 2019 we would have been in the midst of that, and we weren't, not at all. Then 2020 hit, and all bets were off. COVID has just upended everything about politics and the economy. But we might have been three or four years off on the timing, but it's here. We've had a couple other times, you know, at the beginning of COVID with the lockdowns, we had the stock market pulled back, the economy was looking bad. Um, We recovered from that one pretty quickly. But we recovered from that one because of all the artificial money that was put into the market. That probably should have been the start of the recession and the downturn early to mid 2020. Uh, But it didn't happen because of all the um, money the government put into the market. And we're, we're still dealing with the effects. In fact, that's what created a lot of this inflation, which is what's finally ending our bull market run. Um, the S&P 500 right now is officially in a bear market. The Dow isn't far, neither is the NASDAQ. Um, we're not officially in a bear market in the S&P or the Dow yet, or we are in the S&P, not the Dow. Um, we're not technically in a recession yet, but I don't see how we're going to avoid any of those things. I think we're probably due for a 40 to 50% correction in the stock market. Uh, we did break through the $30,000 mark this morning where um, the Dow fell off a cliff again uh, overnight in pre-trading. And now I think we're down about 800 points the last time I looked. Yeah, 801. We're down right now. We're down to 29,800. Um, that's not a good thing. But it's, it's coming. We knew it was coming. So I don't want to get on the air every day and just talk about the bad news. But we're in for, you know, probably I would think about two years, uh, hopefully not longer than that, 18 to 24 months. Um, we're probably going to see some pretty tough times financially. It's going to be tough on uh, small business But I don't want to come on every day during this time and just talk about the bad news. So what do we do? What can you do during a time like this? One of the questions I get all the time, where do I put my money? Right now, you might as well go find the the savings accounts or the money market accounts that are paying the highest amount of interest. Those numbers are going to keep going up as interest rates go up. Uh, It doesn't make sense anymore, you know, for the last quite a few years. I've been saying, if you're not in the stock market or real estate or invested somewhere, you might as well just stick your money under your mattress, bury it in the backyard. Um, Interest rates at the bank were less than 1%. Wasn't even worth tying up your money in the bank for that. Uh, That's changed now, though. Interest rates are starting to come up. They'll continue to go up. So you might as well park your money in a high interest savings account or a money market account till we figure out, you know, when this starts to end. And right now there's, there's no good place I can see to put money. The market's going to tank. It already is. Real estate's already starting to turn and it's turning pretty quickly. Uh, But we're not, we're not anywhere near the time to buy into either one of those markets yet. That will happen. We'll get to the bottom and then those will be great investments again, both. 
the stock market and real estate. But right now, they're awful. Wouldn't go anywhere near them. Crypto is just being hammered. Uh, boy, a lot of people lost an awful lot of money in cryptocurrencies. And that's a bad thing when you're heading into a recession to take big losses like that. But somebody out there is losing an awful lot of money on crypto. Um, precious metals aren't even good right now. They're, they're pretty volatile. So what do you do? Uh, the first thing you do, you know, every time we have storms, we're about to head into hurricane season here pretty soon. We've just had some tornadoes. Uh, every time we go into these big storms, every, you know, weatherman newscaster, they all pick up a phrase we hardly ever hear any other time, hunker down. They all start saying that all at the same time when, when storms start coming. Um, that's good advice for what you should be doing in your financial life right now. It's time to hunker down. It's time to play defense. It's not time to go chasing money and chasing opportunities and taking risks. Now is the time to get really, really safe and conservative with your money. Park your money somewhere, don't make any big financial decisions, and keep an eye on things. But there is something, there's a lot more you can do other than that. This is the perfect time to practice habit number seven from the seven habits of highly effective people. One of my favorite books, if you were only going to read one book to help you get through uh, the next couple of years in business, I would say make it that one. It's not an easy read. I'll tell you that. It's, 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 um, it's more like going through a class. And you sh the harder you work at that book, the better your results will be. But habit number seven right now is really where you should be focused. Habit number seven is sharpen the saw. What does that mean? Uh, it means work on yourself. That's what sharpen the saw means in um, habit number seven. Uh, um, hold on, I gotta... There we go. All right. Um, it means work on yourself. Sharpen the saw. There's a quote that says, if you give me four hours to cut down a tree... I'll spend the first three hours sharpening the saw. That makes sense. That's what we're talking about now. Work on yourself. Because what else is there to do? There's not going to be the kind of work available. It's not going to pay what it was paying before. There is really no place to be investing right now. We should be playing defense. But that's a great time to upgrade yourself. You know, create your new 2.0 lots of things about yourself are in your control. The problem with the economy right now in politics feels like everything is out of our control, and it is. But what is in your control? You. You could work on your health. That will make huge improvements getting through rough times like this. Imagine people who are going to go through this who are financially sick and they're sick health-wise. It's going to be a really, really difficult time. One of the shortages they're talking about right now, the next shortage they're worried about is insulin. 
we have an awful lot of diabetics and people dependent on insulin and we're talking about shortages which means the price is going to go up it's going to be harder to get you know you don't have to have insulin now if you're a type 1 diabetic you do but if you're a type 1 diabetic and you know how to eat properly you can cut your insulin needs by about 60 to 70 percent that's a lot and when it's going to get expensive and hard to find that would be a really good thing to do if you're a type 2 diabetic but you're you've gotten to the point where you're dependent on insulin that can be reversed you could you could be completely not dependent on insulin if you do all the right things so if you haven't worked on your health yet i would say work on that one first because everything else gets easier when you feel good, when your brain is clear, when you're thinking better, all of these other things work much better. The next thing I would work on would be financial health. Now, when I say work on, what do I mean? Well, first off, learn, become more knowledgeable. And honestly, the information is free. You don't need to spend any money on this. There are free courses all over the internet. There's articles, there's blogs, there's podcasts, there's libraries. Let's not forget about libraries and just, you know, good old-fashioned printed books that we check out of the library for free. There's thousands of books you could be reading right now to upgrade your skills. You could pick a specific skill that you want to learn and work on that, a language, music, whatever. You can never go wrong sharpening the saw, upgrading your skills. And now's a great time to do it because there isn't much else to do right now except hunker down and get defensive. So if you have any questions about that, if you want to talk about that, you can certainly jump in. Um, Calls are starting to get busy, so I'm going to get to the phones. Jump in and join us. Let's get started today in Ohio. Herschel, welcome to the program. Well, hello there, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Well, a couple of days ago, you were talking about people that are on a mileage contract against playing spot markets or contract freight. And I don't know you ever really got any response to us, so I thought I would call you and give you mine. Well, thank you. Yeah, my, you know, my point on that is that for the last three, four, five years, if you were on a mileage contract, you had to feel like at times you were just missing out, especially the last couple of years. Rates went through the roof. But if you made it through that time on a mileage contract and you're still there, it's a great place to be because uh, it's going to be a whole lot easier to get through this for a couple of reasons. One, you're already used to making it on this amount of money. That's a really good thing. But that also means that you are better at managing expenses. If you made it through all this time on a mileage contract, you know how to manage expenses. A lot of these people that were in the spot market, maybe even got their own authority, they were getting those crazy rates. We don't know whether they know how to manage expenses because they haven't tried it yet. Okay, so for this year, as of the end of May, May 31, from Profit Gages. Now, you know, I, or maybe you don't remember, I just do intermodal. Yep. So, uh, yep. the epitome of the trashy container hauler, you know. <laughs> um, that's what they've called us for years. I know. I don't care. I go home every night. I, I'm good with it. 
Hey, Herschel. So for the year so far. Herschel, yes, I, sir? I did move containers in Ohio for a while around Cleveland and that, so I'm familiar with that. But there was there was another thing I used to do. It was big in Ohio. We used to talk about it a lot because it was became a problem for a while, though. Real trash. I used to pull trash off the East Coast back to Ohio. I never did that one. Been yeah. to the East Coast, but never did trash. Yeah, yeah, that was... But uh, as, as of the end of May... Uh, 229 a mile gross. That's real miles, real money. Excellent. 79, 79 cents a mile expense. 60 of that is diesel fuel. So a dollar fifty one a mile profit. Now that's the entire six months altogether. Okay. So diesel fuel started going crazy in the last four to six weeks. So for the month of May, while diesel fuel's going nuts. Now I'm at 280 a mile. Our surcharges <laughs> went up in the in the meantime, of course. Right. So I'm 280 a mile right now. 74 cents a mile is the diesel. Wow. 94 grand total expense for a profit of 186 per mile in the month of May. Outstanding. Now, here's the funny. Yeah, here's the funny part. I know you've talked about fuel surcharge and how it works and why it and make your diesel fuel free. Our program is a band. X number of miles to X number of miles pays this if you're loaded, that if you're empty. That kind of a program until you go over 100 miles one way. Then we are 174 base and 107 base on the empty. 174 being loaded and surcharge goes on top of that. So our surcharge is based on percentage of truck money. It's not per mile. So the only way you know per mile is you got to know how far you have to go on a given run to be able to figure out what it is since per mile. Got it. So since I do what I do every day, I know how far it is. So right now we are at 45% of truck money. But on this run that I do every day, that comes to 70 cents a mile fuel surcharge. Now, remember, 74 cents a mile was my cost in the month of May. So I'm only paying four cents a mile for fuel. Now, to throw another curveball into it, let's just say diesel fuel was a dollar a gallon. I buy a damn diesel shouldn't be more than a dollar. Okay, <laughs> I get 7.15 miles per gallon right now, 30-day average on fuel gauges. So let's just round it off to seven because it's easy. At a dollar, and you divide the seven into it, that means my fuel should cost me 14 cents a mile. But because of surcharge, I'm really only paying four. Yeah. Yep. That's exactly right. Kind of crazy. Yep. Now, kind of crazy. It is crazy, but here's what I love about this. We have real numbers. You know what you're looking at. It's easy to look into the future for you and say, based on the numbers you just gave me, I can't imagine being in a much better position going into what we're going into right now. Your numbers were really good for a mileage contract, and they're not going to change all that much. The work might slow down a little bit. Expenses are going up, but you don't have a lot of expenses to worry about. Fuel, the more it goes up, the better you do. 
So we're not really concerned about right. fuel price in your operation. Maintenance cost, yours must be pretty low. You're running fairly local. It's it's not that big of a deal. 11 cents right now. That's That's insane it's so low. So you are in such a good position to go into this. That, that, this is why I want to talk about these numbers so people start to see what, where do you want to be going into this. And I can't imagine being in a much better position. The only other position that would be better is somebody who just took total advantage of those high rates, watched their expenses really closely, and just socked away a bunch of money. Now, honestly, if I was in that position, I might be out looking for a mileage contract somewhere right now. Like hunker down, play defense, make sure that when you do run, you're making a reasonable amount of money. Um, But I I think based on your numbers, one, you know them, you know what you're dealing with. And I just don't see you really getting hit all that hard during this. So you talk about relationships all the time. And of course, oh, I forget the guy's name that did the uh, negotiation training. Uh, George. George. Gallimore. Maybe. Yeah, George. So I told you that we have a loaded rate and an empty rate. Well, what I do is a loaded loaded container down, drop it off, bring an empty container back, or you bring a loaded container back with racks for more car parts to go on. Yep. So I've been working on my terminal manager. And I finally convinced her because there's extra work with these 20 foot containers. You got to put chains on them to slide them out. Oh, it's such a pain, but it's worth it. <laughs> right. So I have, I have convinced her that I need load, load rate because of the extra work. And she actually has me do inventory at the customer. I said, Kelly, I'm kind of managing this account for you. I need load, load rate. So <laughs> I talked her into it. So because of fuel surcharge, the way it went, turned into the load load rate, my base rate is now less than my profit per day because of surcharge, and I talked her into load load rate. Wow. Wow. Per day. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So all that stuff, <laughs> the, you know, the negotiation and the relationship, it all matters. It, it does. really does. Yeah. Now- You know, here's what we're about to see, Herschel, and this is just a great example of this. Even though over the last four or five years with crazy rates, all of those things still mattered. They made everything better if you were doing all of those things. The difference was you didn't have to. And most people didn't. They made right. it through. Hell, you could have succeeded as an owner-operator with your eyes closed and half your brain tied behind your head um, for the last four or five years. Now we're going to start seeing how important all that stuff really is. Sure. Sure. I did put a post on the trucking tribe. I've been hearing a lot about mud flaps. Because Com Data, in their infinite wisdom, has reduced our discounts big time. We used to get 50, 60 cents a gallon off of cash at Love's. Now we're down to five cents a gallon at Love's, 25 at Pilot. It's really, really went down, but we're still, I'm still okay. But I wonder if anybody out there had real world experience with mud flap, what the discounts are like. And 
I've been looking into how it works. I kind of got a little bit of a handle on it, but I'd like to hear from anybody that's actually using it and what kind of discounts they're getting. Uh, yeah, we'll throw that out there. I know I've heard a lot about that app. I really haven't um, looked at it or played with it. I'm a little more curious, though, about why this is happening. That's almost backwards. You know, if we look at discounts yeah, on anything, the higher the price goes, the more you should be able to discount percentage-wise, why is the discount getting smaller as the price of fuel goes up? That seems backwards to me. I know, but that's what it's doing. And, of course, when you do a job in a sector of trucking, you know all kinds of people that do the same sector, right? Right. Um, I know several guys. One works at CPG, the other at Calhoun, and they left Com Data because of the discount program getting so bad and have went to EFS, which is giving them $0.35 cents off of cash at the big truck stops. Just a blanket, across-the-board, flat-rate discount. So, obviously, I'm trying to talk these guys into looking into it, but we'll see where that goes. Yeah, something, something so seems odd about us. that. It's across the board. About that, you know, that whole situation with the discount, that seems odd right now. Uh, but, again, the good news is, it really doesn't matter. Your numbers are so solid. You're, you've just put yourself in a really good position to get through this. Uh, thanks for your teaching. TMC uh, a big help, too. E- excellent. Good to hear it. Hey, Herschel, thanks for the feedback. You're right. I didn't get I thought I was going to get a ton of calls from people who are on a mileage contract who can now feel good again. I get it why they were quiet for the last four or five years. Uh, I want to hear from them. If you got through that on a mileage contract, pat yourself on the back. Um, it, I think you've put yourself in a good position right now. Let's um, let's go to Ohio. Paul, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm with the previous caller. I'm on a mileage contract. Excellent. For purchase, and I tried talking to you Monday, but just didn't make it in time. Uh, I was just hoping you could go over my numbers with me and sure. try to make me feel better. I uh, yeah. think I'm all right. But. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's jump into them. What do you got? Uh, so far for the full year, uh, my revenue is $1.93 a mile. My expenses are pretty up there from maintenance. I carried over at $1.12, and I'm profiting $0.81 cents a mile. And the operation I'm in is I'm power only, and I'm in a lease purchase, and the lease purchase will be done in three months. So I'll be counting on that extra in my pocket to help it out. Hey, hey, and, Paul, before we jump yeah, into the numbers, how much is, how much is owed on the um, lease purchase to, to, so that, that you would own the truck? How much would you have to pay them if you wanted to do it today? Thirty-seven fifty. Thirty-seven hundred or thirty-seven thousand. Thirty-seven hundred. Excellent. Do you have thirty-seven hundred in cash laying around? I do, but I'd rather not get rid of it at this point. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but I want you to think about something. I I I can understand why, and I'm telling people, hold on to cash. Don't make any big financial decisions. But here's the thing. You want that truck, don't you? 
Yeah. So one of the things I'm worried about right now, trucking companies are getting bought. I just saw uh, Pam bought a, a trucking company first time in like 20 years for them to buy anybody. That was unusual. Um, trucking companies are going out of business. Um, I would be more worried about making sure I got that title than I would be about the 3700 in cash. You're going to spend the 3700 either way to get this truck. You can't avoid spending it. And all we're talking about is three months difference. The upside is if you buy it today, it's yours. We take away all the risk. The downside, I really don't see any. Sure, you had to spend the thirty-seven fifty, but you got to spend it anyway. It's not like we're spending money you weren't going to spend. The downside to not buying it now, what if you lost this truck? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh well let's think, yeah, think let, let's just think about this for, <laughs> let's just think about this for a second you could have a repair tomorrow that could cost you ten thousand i mean that's that's just normal in trucking anymore if this was thirty seven thousand i might say oh you know we need to think a little bit harder about this but it's thirty seven hundred and the truck is yours and all the risk goes away okay and uh, the operation I'm in, we're power only. So I'll, I pick up brand new trailers. And if it's a reefer van, that's a loadout. We get loads on it. But lately, I've been pulling nothing but empty grain trailers and getting good fuel mileage. And I'm banking on that fuel surcharge because I get 100% of it. Excellent. Excellent. So your numbers are really solid. Um you know, a year ago, if we would have been comparing your numbers to everybody else's, we would have said, well, you know, you're leaving some money on the table. But now I'm glad you did, because netting 81 cents a mile is going to become really difficult again. It used to be difficult to net 81 cents a mile. Um, we were talking about a buck a mile as almost the norm last year. But that's that's going away. 81 cents a mile is going to be tough to make. $1.93 a mile for all miles is getting more difficult every day. Um, roughly, if you're making 81 cents a mile, you know, we I, I don't like to predict on more than 100,000 miles a year. I know that's low, but it, it keeps us safe. I mean, that means you're making 81,000 a year. Um, I would hope that, that that pays your bills at home. Oh, definitely. Okay. Then you're then you're in good shape. I mean, I, I don't see your numbers and, changing much. That's why I want to hear from people who made it through all this time. Um, because if you have, and you've got your numbers, you and Herschel both have numbers, you guys are in great positions right now. And I'm dwindling down the maintenance cost because from last summer till now, I've, uh, I've gotten a one box drive tires, clutch, radiator. Holy cow. I've pretty already been hit, so. <laughs> yeah, that, um, and again, that's good news when you know that. Your numbers were a little, you know, rough for a while, but those are all big ticket items that last years. So your your maintenance costs will start to come down. That That's good news. Uh, you're covered on your fuel surcharge. I, I think that 
again, you are in a good position to get through this. You know, don't do anything crazy. Keep doing what you're doing. Manage your costs like you're already doing. Know your numbers. You already do. Um, It'll get, you know, a little rough. Things will slow down a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I think you can kind of sit back, know that you're going to make this through this, and keep an eye out for opportunities. And a big part that makes me feel good is the company I'm with. It's a small farmer guy owned company. He's 10 miles from my house, discounted shop rate. Everything's just convenient. Yeah. Excellent. I appreciate your time and I feel better. So thank you, Kevin. Yeah, you're welcome. See numbers. It's all about the numbers. There's two callers. They have their numbers so we can see what's going on and you feel better when you know but there's, there's something else here. We had two callers. They both know their numbers, and they're both in really good places. That's not a coincidence. They're in a good place because they know their numbers, and they're running this like a business. Let's, uh, let's go to Nevada. Vic and Sarah, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, I was just wondering if you saw the... the post I tagged you in with the death issue. I did, and I'm already start. I saw several posts on social media. People are just saying, oh, it's easy to delete your DEF system. Just delete it and don't worry about it. That's a bad idea, but um, I don't know what's going to happen with this. It, it, that's, uh, that's not a good sign. Shortages again. Well, how about that for change of voice? (laughs) Anyway, um, I was thinking, you know, just like what you've done with us over the years and, you know, be uh, proactive instead of reactive. Do we buy another, you know, first habit, I guess. Um, Do we buy another truck? And I just wanted to see what your your take on this was. Because obviously that happens. Yeah. We're we're in way bigger problems. You know, it's it's a good way to be thinking. Should I buy another truck? It's not time to act on that yet, but it's definitely time to think okay. about that. This might we might get to a situation where you do go out and you buy fifteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand dollar older trucks that don't need DEF, and you run it till we get through this and you sell it. Um, if and you guys have, I know you have because I know your numbers. You're in a position you could do that. A lot of people won't be. They won't be able to go out. And so they will be resorting to deleting, which is going to cause more problems down the road. But no, your, your thinking is correct. We should be watching for things like that. Is that, is that even fathomable? Is, is that possible? I know we had the babies, the formula shortage, and now women's hygiene and stuff like that. And, but we, all, we also know that this guy... Um, never sees anything coming. You know, this administration never sees anything coming. So, man, I couldn't believe that. But, so, yeah, you, you think that that could possibly even happen, though? Yes. I, I, I would not be... Okay. Ha, let's think about this. Baby formula. And, by the way, there's news on the baby formula factory, the one that started all this because they got shut down by the FDA for killing babies with bacteria. Uh, They're shut down again. They restarted production, and now they are flooded. 
their building got flooded, so they had to stop production again to clean up. They say it will be weeks. I, I, I just, you know, so yeah, I'm not surprised about anything. I've heard that diesel fuel is getting harder and harder to find. We see that the discounts are coming down. I mean, none of this stuff makes sense. So I would not say, oh, we'll never run out of DEF. We may not run out, but if it gets harder and harder to get, what are you going to do? I mean, you have to have some sort of a plan. I guess deleting your DEF system is a plan. I don't like that one. I think it's a really bad idea. Um, But I think the idea of thinking about another truck and watching the market. You know, every time you've got an hour or two here or there, you go into the truck paper and, you know, you look around, what are prices, what's available. Um, Just keep an eye on it so that if this does happen, and I think it's going to happen pretty quick if it does, you've got a plan. And you go out, you buy a truck that doesn't need def, you keep making money, and then later on you sell it again. It's not that big of a deal, really, if you plan for it. You know what's kind of funny is I ran this by Jim. You know, obviously, Jim does all of our work now. Um, and so I told him, I go, hey, look for a truck for me. And, you know, and I give him, a, you know, just like a salesman commission. So he's shooting me over all these things. And I go, you know what? Before I do this, I want to get Kevin's opinion on this. But our thinking, both of our thinking was the same as yours. So, well, I, I guess about yours, the same as yours is because we listen to you and we rely on your opinion. So, all righty. Um, I will act accordingly, and I, I thank you for your opinion on that. You're welcome. Yeah, I, those are the kind of things that we should be looking at. It sounds extreme. It's really not, though. And when we're in extreme conditions, sometimes takes extreme actions so it's uh there's nothing wrong with thinking that way right now and it may come down to that um we may be buying other trucks because of part shortages you know what are you going to do if you can't get that freightliner cpc module that everybody seems to be stealing we we posted a company that may be able to repair those that may be an option those are the kind of things that I really try to keep my eyes out for, and I appreciate when you know, I get feedback from other people to help out with that. Those are the kind of things that as a group, as a tribe, if we work on together and help each other, we'll get through this a whole lot better. Let's go to Florida this time. Matt, welcome to the program. Good morning, Kevin. What's on your mind today? Uh, I'll start with several comments here. Uh, Herschel asking about data or asking about um, mud flap yeah different fuel discount programs yeah I don't have any personal experience with mud flap but I do know several people that have used it um, I'm most familiar with Nasdaq that's what I use and it, as prices are rising the discount programs are not as good the wholesale price, like I just got my notice from Nasdaq, is going up $0.12 cents at midnight tonight. The price of the pump probably isn't going up $0.12 cents tonight. It might go up, you know, a nickel tomorrow and a nickel oh, the next yeah. day, but it won't yeah. go up the full $0.12. Cents. Yeah, and, and you're right. This Where, is... This is one of those things that can get really confusing, and then we could have cost-plus discounts, and when prices are this volatile... You know, they're up, they're down. They're, although lately it seems like they're up a lot more than they're ever down. 
Um, but it is hard yeah, to, to yeah, kind of figure some of this stuff out. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that these programs really shine when the price of oil is dropping. That's when you'll see a dollar a gallon. Because the price of the pump drops very slowly, but the wholesale price adjusts every day. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. It's um, so yeah, the volatility right now almost always works against us. Volatility in fuel prices even hurts people that have strong fuel surcharges. You know, if they're if they're just borderline, if they're one of these trucks that's barely getting six miles to the gallon, um, you know, that that lag be the price goes up, then the fuel surcharge kicks in, but it may be a week before you actually start receiving that. And you would think, oh, it's a week. It's not that big of a deal. But there are owner-operators that can fall off the cliff in a week. Yeah, so basically, Nastic, there are days where the discount has been very small. Actually, I've seen Nastic's price actually be higher than the pump price. The good news is Nastic's price is a maximum price. So if the, if the pump price was actually cheaper, you only pay the pump price. Mm. You don't yeah. pay their okay. published price. But, yeah. Um, yeah, so almost all of them, I'm assuming, Tom Data, and I have heard the same thing with Mudflap. When they got really big, really fast, their discounts were amazing. I guess they're not so amazing anymore. <laughs> they're still good. Nothing right. wrong with it, but right. you know, kind of a rollout thing that, you know, to get you in the door. Yeah. Um, uh, a totally different idea for Vic and Sarah with the all, because we're just talking about death here. Right. I know their operation. They own their own trailer. I would be looking at putting a second tank to be able to carry extra death because I think the death thing is going to be regional and and sporadic. So one region of the country might be low on death for a couple of weeks. So if you could always carry at least a full week worth of death with you all the time, you might be okay. Uh, I've never looked at it or thought about it, but is it possible to buy a 55-gallon drum? I wouldn't think. I wouldn't see why not. Well, yeah, you can... Uh, yes, I've never seen a 55-gallon drum, but 265-gallon totes. Well, there you a go. A lot of companies buy them. There you go. And yeah, you could have it at home or, you know, I don't know how often they get through Michigan and talk Jim into store in one of this place. But, but yeah, you could put a easily, you know, a 50-gallon reefer tank on, even on a dry van, you know. Yeah. And just a small little 12-volt pump and yeah. or that. You know, some type of 20, 30 gallon tank on, on your frame rail behind, behind the sleeper and yeah. just have that much extra because I don't, I don't use that. So I don't even know the numbers on average, how much people burn a week. But. Well, now, now let's think about this. Cause now I think we're onto something. As long as we have the cash, Vic and Sarah do, you do. I know lots of people who do, we're, we're in pretty good shape right now. Cash wise, or you should be. 
where would be the downside to buying a 275-gallon tote or whatever size it is or a 55-gallon drum? Usually when you buy in bulk, you get better pricing. That means we're saving money. We know we're going to use the DEF. It's not like, you know, we might waste it and not ever use it. Of course, we're going to use it. And we're in an inflationary period. So isn't it more likely that DEF's going to get more and more expensive over the next year? How could we go wrong by going out and doing something like this? Yeah, yeah, it, it's following, you know, basically the price of nitrogen, which is through the roof. So, well, and I, I going up for the for the short term. I thought I saw something about Russia has a lot to do with production of DEF, and it's probably because of because of the nitrogen component, um, but. It doesn't look like that war is ending anytime soon. I, I think this is a really good idea. And and look, why not get together with two or three of your owner-operator friends if that works out and go, go in on one? Uh, that's an awful lot of def. Somebody should do the math. How long would that much def last us at, on average? Uh, yeah, I don't even know the numbers. I've heard anywhere from 100 miles to the gallon to even 300 miles to the gallon so it's it varies quite a bit but even at a hundred miles to the gallon aren't we talking like 200 and some thousand miles yeah yeah I, i'm not seeing where yeah. there would yeah, that'd be too long. yeah i'm not seeing where there would be any downside to going and doing this So, yeah, Vic, if you've got any questions about that, you can call me after the show. Here's here's something else to to think about. We know we're going to – does DEF expire? I don't think so. I don't think so either. That's the only thing I would want to check. But let's say that we went out, we bought enough DEF to last us 300,000 miles. It sounds like that would be possible here. And – we're going to save money. We're going to cut our risk that we can't get it. And ultimately, if it does really become a problem, hell, I'll start selling it. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, pretty easy to move, yeah. So, yeah. I think um, this is kind of now that we've talked about it and thought, and this is why I want to keep bringing up this topic and talk about it so we don't miss opportunities. I'm... I'd love for somebody to call and say, that's a really bad idea. Here's why. I, I can't think of a reason. Yeah, and like I say, I, I'm not real experienced with the stuff, so I, there's no reason that I can think of, but well, somebody that knows more might be able to yeah, some light on that. Maybe we're missing something, but I don't know what it is, so we'll throw it out there. I think it's an awesome idea. So the reason for my call was uh, you're open with investing. And uh, actually, you, you turned the page quite a bit towards the end there when you started talking about seven habits of highly effective people and um, the sharpening of your saw yeah, and getting prepared and learning. So when you were saying, you know, you shouldn't be thinking about investing right now, I think the opposite. You people that are not currently and, you know, have little knowledge about it. Right now, you should be learning everything you can. Oh, that's a good point. Because the time to invest is coming up right soon. It is. 
Yeah, it w- with, certainly within the next 18 months, probably shorter than that. So you're right. It may not be a time to be actively investing, but it's certainly a good time to learn about it. Yep. Yeah, you should be getting prepared and being ready to invest because that time is, is coming. Um, and listening to Dave Ramsey, and, you know, of course, he's getting all kinds of calls about this, and he's going off on these rants about people that say, oh, I lost everything in the stock market. No. <laughs> <laughs> very few people lose everything. Right. You can lose a lot. Right. But very rarely does it actually go to zero. Right. And um, I'll just give my retirement numbers here just for a reference. Um, I figure since the first of the year, I'm somewhere around $90,000 down, which is pretty gut-wrenching. Yeah. <laughs> but I have stuck in $124,500 of my own money over my lifetime. Okay. And it is currently worth $200,000. Outstanding. I've lost, I still have a $50,000 gain. Correct. So, technically, I haven't lost anything. I'm still up. Yeah, and and had you stuck your money in a savings account during all that time, you'd have a lot less money right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's in in just the S&P itself, uh, you know. Big downfall this week. We are now at twenty-two percent drop since the first year. Yeah, and I believe January fourth was actually the peak of the market. So, just saying, the first year was the peak. Um, year over year, from you know a year ago today, we're only down eleven and a half percent. Okay, not awful. That's about if typically back, what you know, what we gain most years. So, you know, having an 11% yeah, down year wouldn't, wouldn't be a big deal. I, I'm predicting we're probably going to see 30 to 40% in the S&P before this stops. Yep. What if we go back, because this is, I wish they had a two-year and a three-year, some the website I'm looking at didn't. Five years ago, we were still up 50%, over 50%. It was 53 or 54 so yeah yeah it's, you know i don't know where it's going i'm not predicting that everything's okay but everybody needs to calm down a little bit and you know it's, it's a normal cycle the yeah, world is it, not coming to an end exactly and when you've done the right things these cycles are no big deal My point, I've been trying since 2017 to get people to open their eyes and do the right thing so they're prepared. And the good news was, because we were off three or four years on our timing, it just gave you that much more time to get prepared if that's what you were doing. Oh, Oh, I just uh, got a message from a friend, Paul. He uh, (laughs) he says our math is off on the desk. That would be... uh, a 270 gallon tank would be 27,000 miles, 100 miles a gallon. Oh, 27, not, not 270. I moved my decimal point too far. Yep. Yep. 
Well, well, okay. So now it makes even more sense. I, that sounded like an awful big one to buy, but that's that's what we should be shooting for. Yeah. Hell, twenty seven thousand miles only gets you through one quarter. Um, both, uh, uh, your wife and Vic and Sarah sent me the exact same thing. They must have both Googled this question <laughs> and they must have picked the exact same link because at the same time they sent me the same thing word for word. And here's what it, it says. Def doesn't have any preservatives. It does have a shelf life, but it's usually about a year. Um, so, and my guess is if it has a, you know, a stated shelf life of a year, probably lasts longer than that. So I don't think the shelf life is any big deal. Yeah. So, um, one last thing about the investing side. So we're saying we're down 22% since the first year. Now that's for people that have already invested and you know we guess you can say they've lost that money or they've lost the growth value if you are investing today and if today was the bottom and we just went back up to where we were that's not a 22 percent growth it's way more than 22 percent right because you're you're gaining from here back up and and i didn't do the math um i know we did like a 50, 50 is easy. So if we lost 50% of the value and you put money in and it goes back to where it was, that's not 50% growth. That's a hundred percent growth. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It, it's not all bad news, um, but there's a lot of bad news. I mean, we're in for a rough time, depending on how well you've prepared. Yep. Um, for some people, it's not going to be that rough at all. Um, for some people, it'll be a bump in the road. For other people, it's going to be a catastrophe. Yeah, it's, the inflation side of it is the, is the big one that's going to hurt more people, I think, than what we know about. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's always the fear. I don't think we're there yet, but you can't discount this. I mean, you have to look at what happened to Venezuela, and it was inflation that brought them down. No, they they and, and for oh, people who don't know and think, oh, it's Venezuela. They're one of those poor South American countries. No. Well, they are now. They were the richest country in South America. They no longer are no. that that and, and you look at what happened, politics and um, a, a move to the left, a move to more progressive political policies. Inflation went through the roof. They never got it under control, and their money just about became worthless. Did you, uh, somebody call and recommended the book uh, Inflation by Steve Forbes? Uh, I don't. Did you happen to read that one yet? I don't remember any. Boy, I get too many uh, book recommendations. I don't have that one yet. <laughs> Uh, that's Steve Forbes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm gonna get that one on my. So, I listened to that one, and he talked a lot about the gold standard on there, and then in a different way that I've heard it before. So it's kind of interesting. It's, he's basically saying no inflation is the best thing for the general population. Well, you would think so. Stable prices are a good thing. The, these volatile prices yep. are, are what's making everything crazy. 
Yeah. And he, I don't think he exact said this, but this is the way I took it, and this is my interpretation. The price of gold really never changes. All the increased value of gold is not gold going up, it's the dollar going down. Oh, okay. Yeah, About you know, I, gold, I do need to read that book. And the value of gold changes. I, I have never totally understood the gold standard and why we moved away from it and how it affected everything. So um, maybe this book will help me on that one. Yeah, yeah, it was a pretty good read. I listened to a couple books here recently. The uh, Ray Dalio just had one come out too, and I might mix some information between the two because they were both very good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I do that all the time. All right, good stuff. Calls are heavy today for a Thursday. Thursday's usually kind of a quiet day, but uh, today I'm getting slammed. That's a good thing. I said I would stay here till we ran out of calls, and I will, or uh, till we get uh, to 1230 about a half hour from now. We'll be heading into rolling toe. But for now, we'll keep taking your calls, so keep them coming. Dave, David in Indiana, it's your turn. Welcome. Good morning. Yes, I was responding to the individual asking about direct mud flap experience. So hopefully yep. I can uh, enlighten everyone on that. Good. First, I should say I am a, I am a skeptic. I am as big a skeptic as there probably is on this earth, and it takes a little while sometimes to knock something good into my head. Well, mud flap was similar, but it only took about a month. I'd been with them just about a month after they started. And what it is is basically just a, it's an app that you install on your phone. You set up a credit card with them. It doesn't matter if it's a so-called business or personal, whatever. Right. You just simply have to attach a credit card to it. So it's, it's like a prepaid card, uh, a prepaid fuel system, but you don't get charged for anything until the actual time of purchase. But they have your information and your card number and everything on file. So when you decide you want to buy some fuel, you go into their app. They have a big map. You zoom in to see what the and – and you can see the prices at all the locations. It's a very – I have five different means of buying fuel, and it is the easiest way to navigate, the easiest one to navigate. Good. So you go in and you decide where you're – you know, like – and I do a lot of so-called dedicated. I only run in certain areas, but it's over and over all week long or all month long. So I have a pretty good idea where the cheapest fuel is going to be, but I still have to go in there and look at it on a daily basis. And I determine if I'm going to use the mud flap app as compared to something else. And then if I pick a location, I tap on it. And then it has a little deal where you can you just take your finger and swipe it, and you're authorizing a purchase to be put on your credit card. It gives you an authorization number so that when you go into the fuel desk at that location, they see that number. They have a tablet. They go in there, and they see that fuel has been authorized, and they turn your pump on. When you're done, you get a receipt just like anywhere else. The okay, and it's like any of them. They've all they all have their limitations. And that's the way I look at it. I've I've had nasty from the day you started talking about them. It was 
just so happened that we were going to Louisville shortly after that, and we ran into their booth, so we started talking, and I got signed up. But uh, nowadays, I very rarely use the Nastic app because it turns out to be my cheapest. In the Midwest, the mud flap, okay, I, I run out of Kentucky. I live in Illinois, so a lot of my miles, two-thirds of my miles, is in Kentucky, Indiana, Illinois, right in that region. And that, luckily, is where Mudflap is the strongest because the Casey's network, which has been building a lot of locations with truck islands, they turn out to be some of the best locations. As an example, today in Illinois, the cheapest fuel on Mudflap is $5.35. But if you get away from, say, the Midwest, like I, I run out to Oklahoma City usually about once a week, I don't even think, I don't even bother to look in the Mudflap app because I know that I'm not going to get good pricing or even going towards Denver. I don't even bother to look at it. Okay. That That's the only time, that's the only time I use Nastic. It's Nastic to me right now is just a waste. But it does help because when I get out to Oklahoma City, I'll top off my tank there, and then I've got another 1,400 miles before I have to worry about fuel. So that allows me to get all the way back to Kentucky, get reloaded, and then determine. Um, so the mud flap in the Midwest is probably the number one choice right now, going okay, down to good. Georgia or Florida. Okay? Um, but what I would recommend people to look into is a, it's a prepaid card called ES Advantage. It is a, it, it's Expeditors something. It's actually a trucking company that, that has opened up their fuel purchasing so that anybody that wants to get tied in with their system, massive discounts. Huh. Okay. In, and, and it's, and, and it's nationwide. Now you initially, get set up as a prepaid. That's the downside of it because it takes three to four days, you know, when you set up to have some money to put on the card. So you have to sort of be proactive and do it in advance. You have to halfway, halfway know how much fuel you're going to go through on a weekly basis, that type of thing. But after you use it a little bit, they, they have a system where you can go in there and apply for a line of credit and, then it's just like any other fuel card. It, it's just like Nastic where whatever you purchase throughout the week, come Monday, they pull out of your checking account or whatever um, area that you have designated for payment. Got it. But as an example, right, I'm, I'm getting ready to pull into a Love's here in Indiana, and I'm paying $5.56. Okay. Now, you know, without going... You know, people would have to look and see. You know, right now in Indiana, it seems like the average price is almost $6. Right. So, you know, 50 cents isn't as good as what we were accustomed to with Nastic for so long. But as compared to Nastic right now, it's major. Excellent. Yep. All right. So, great, great stuff. Thanks for the feedback. Let's uh, calls are heavy. I'm going to get to them. Let's go to Missouri. David, welcome to the program. 
Hi, thanks for taking my call. I sent you an oil sample. If you could peruse it real quick. All, All right. right, let's see. We're looking at a D13. What year? 12. Right at a million miles. That's uh, with no in frame, right? That's original mileage. Right. Well, it's, um, I sent you a sample a while back, and uh, you said that the bearings were going out, so I had those spun in, and then I, I replaced the top end on it, new heads, injectors, all that stuff, uh, full gear, um, uh, that dampener, and a few other things. But, uh, no, it, it hasn't had the silver kit on it. Okay. Okay. So it sounds like you got everything replaced except cylinder kits. Right. Okay. How, is it using any oil? Um, you know, there is some stuff that uh, Joe was promoting on that it's an oil additive. It's ESS. It's an oil. I'm not sure what it's called. Anyway, I don't have a picture up in front of me. But um, I put that in there with this last oil, uh, the oil change that I sampled on. And I started leaking oil outside of my, uh, on my uh, blow by tube. That's the only time it's ever done it. And since I've changed the oil, I didn't put any of that in it. It's not leaking that oil out. So huh. it's not getting blow by. That's interesting. And it's not burning any? You're not, the you're, whole time. You're not adding oil? No, I'm not so. adding. I, uh, during that course of that one, I did drop, uh, I put one quart, one or two quarts in there um, that had come out. But uh, yeah, other than that, and I haven't added any to this. Okay. I've got 5,000 miles on the truck already. Okay. So when was, we're at 33,000 miles on the oil. When was the, has you mentioned getting heads replaced? When was that? That was, um, January of, uh, let's see real quick here. Well, even if it was January of this year, that that's all I need to know. No, it was, no, it was the year before. Okay. Um, the only thing I'm concerned about on this sample, and I'm shocked they don't flag it at this level because I think it's a problem, your silicon's at 13. We're getting dirt in this engine somewhere. So I yeah, would check I, you know, air cleaner. I was running that uh, intake. I was running that, uh, that I had a... Uh, that uh, other filter, not the fleet or a K and M. No, that wasn't a fleet. K and M. Oh, I had that see? one in here, and I, 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 I got it out. I, I'm a fan of K and N as a company. I've used their filters forever on off-road stuff. They're always oiled foam. I don't know why they chose to not do oiled foam for their truck filter, but this number is just too high. I, and that's what did it. It, it. I'm positive it was that air cleaner. Um, you, you don't still have it in, do you? No, no. I took it out. Good. I did a uh, old step prior, and it showed it was uh, you know, it was high. So I got rid. I used a different Good. old sample kit before that's with okay. a different yeah. company. Cause I, and it showed that it was high, so I got it out. Okay. But, uh, yeah, that concerned me. I think maybe I may have another spot that it's coming in at. Well, once it's in there, it's actually hard to get rid of. So I, I'm not oh. too, yeah, once it's in there, we have a hard time getting rid of it. That's why I asked when the head was replaced, because that can linger for a while. 
Um, so I, I, I'm I'm almost positive it was just the filter. I'd keep an eye on it, but I wouldn't worry about it. I think if you got that filter off, this number will keep coming down. That's really the only number I was concerned about. Um, and that would create the high iron, the little bit of tin and lead we're seeing. Some of the wear metals are coming from the fact that we've got dirt in the engine. So I, I think you've got the problem taken care of, but I, I would keep an eye on that. Other than that, this is a good looking sample for a truck with a million well, miles. It's an excellent sample. I've got no, the iron. I'm using Pittsburgh uh, Power's max mileage, so I'm not concerned about the iron. Well, I'm more worried about the tin. Well, here's the thing, and here's why I mentioned the iron. I've looked at enough samples using catalyst that I kind of know what that number should be when you have the catalyst. Yours is even higher than that. Then we look and we see uh, we have other wear metals and we have high silicon. So some of that iron is actually wear metals. It's not just the catalyst. Um, but like I said, you you found the problem, you corrected it. And I think as long as each sample comes back with lower silicon than the sample before, you're on the right track. Well, now I'm going to have, I'm going to be out at Pittsburgh. Uh, if Leroy's going to tweak it for me again. Um, so what about that flea air filter? Do you think that'd be better than the, what I'm getting through? Yes. You know, the TAs. And stuff? Yeah. Yes. The fleet air filter is far superior to paper filters. The K&N should be superior, except they decided to go with a dry foam, and I think dry foam is a bad idea, and we see it in oil samples. The fleet air filter, because it's an oiled foam, gives us better airflow, which improves fuel economy and performance, and actually traps more dirt. So better flow and more protection, but it's because it's an oiled foam. Yeah. Okay, that's what I had it on my, my Ford truck, um, and I I always did real well with that. I liked it, but yeah, it wasn't oiled, so this is for this truck, so that's kind of strange. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't right. know why K&N chose to go that route, uh, but they did. And that's why we strictly recommend the fleet air filter. Let's keep going. The calls are coming in hot and heavy. Let's go to Ohio. Carl, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Uh, yeah, I got a question for you. Uh, my fiance has uh, been uh, watching the market and whatnot. And she's worried about our 401k. And I told her I don't think it'd be much of a problem. But I figured, uh, you know, I'd talk to you and figure out, you know, if there's anything I can do or just leave it like it is and, you know, just try to weather the storm. Well, first question, how old are you? I am going to be 36 this year. And are you planning on trying to retire at 40? Well, my fiance would love to, but, uh, I already know, uh, I did not plan ahead and, uh, I haven't been putting money into my 401 for, you know, so you're, I've only started like a couple of years ago. Yeah. So Which actually is good. Money. Don't, don't beat yourself up over starting in your thirties is way better than most Americans. But let me ask you, does your, is your fiance in a different position? Is she to the point where she could retire if she wanted to in the next 
five to ten years? Uh, she's in a worse boat than I am. A worse, okay. Well, when you said she wanted to retire, I think we yeah. all do, but we have to be able to. And it doesn't sound like either one of you are in a position that you're retiring in the next 10 years. And if you're not retiring in the next 10 yeah. years, the best thing to do with your 401k, it, I, I wouldn't just ignore it. I would look at it. Do you know what you're invested in? Do you know what funds you're in? It was... Uh... It was some uh, retirement investment. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was, but I had looked at it, and it was just some investment group for, um, I can't remember what it was called. It was Was it, a, it was named after some person. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, unless I know specifically, I can't really comment on it. I, I, would, I would be heavy into an S&P 500 fund, I would probably have at least half of my retirement money in just a straight S&P index fund. Um, I may have another third in a Russell 2000. I, I, I would not get out of the market. I wouldn't you know, move to cash. I wouldn't do any of those things. I might just relook at what I was invested in, make some adjustments, get a little heavier into the S&P 500, uh, and then just ride out the storm. I mean, it... it you are probably not retiring for at least 20 some years. You know how much is going to change in the stock market. And if we look historically, the stock market will be higher 10 years from now than it is today. It'll be much higher 20 years from now than it is today. So when you're investing for retirement and you have a long time frame like you do, you don't try to move in and out of the market. You keep your money invested in the market all the time. And if you can, during times like this, you actually increase how much you're investing. Yeah, but, you know, my, uh, my, wife, my wife, she was uh, concerned about the, uh, you know, market crashing and then all of a sudden looking, uh, you know, at our accounts and there's nothing. And I'm like, I don't see that. Well, first off, you're not going to go to nothing. If you ever went to zero in a mutual fund, the only good investment then is going to be beans and bullets. If we go to zero on re with mutual funds, we're talking about a complete crash of our economy. So you'd have far worse things to worry about whether on whether or not you made the right investment decisions. But what, and I understand her feeling. We all do this, but it's why I try to tell people t trying to time the market is a really bad idea. Now, here's why we can't seem to get it out of our head. Because when this is all over, then somebody's going to look back and go, oh, look, if you just would have cashed out all of your mutual funds and went into cash back in January of this year, and then you rebought them again in August of this year, look at all this money you would have made. You left your money in there and you got screwed. Well, it's easy to look back and say that. I want, I want your fiance right now to tell me when is the market going to hit the bottom? And that's pretty much what I told her. I, I told her it would bounce back and, you know, there wouldn't be that much of an issue. And, you know, because the stocks will come back up and everything. And on top of that, you know, uh, our, our company that I, we're driving for is giving it us an extra 10%, uh, what, 7% on top of uh, what we're putting in. So I, I don't see so, why, you know, so here's. Thing. 
here's one way to look at it. If she thinks she can time the market, or if anybody thinks they can time the market, why are you still in the market? You should have sold months ago. But you didn't know the market was going to go down. You don't know that it's going to go down from here. And even if it does, how far is it going to go? When should you buy? When should you sell? Timing the market is a fool's game. It seems like the right thing to do, but it almost never works. And when it does work, it's just pure luck. Um, So you get those stories where somebody says, oh, no, I got out just at the right time. Most of them are lying when they tell you those stories. Timing the market is a bad idea. If you guys were in your 50s, we'd be having a different discussion right now, but you're in your 30s. Just keep... Now, Matt just sent me another way of looking at this, which is a great way to look at this. Um, Does your fiance prefer to buy things on sale or does she prefer to buy them at their highest price? Uh, She just buys when she needs to buy. Well, then for retirement, you always need to buy. The more money you put into retirement, the better your retirement's going to be. So at least now she's buying those those mutual funds on sale. Yeah, she didn't have a, uh, a, a retirement account until I told her, you must get an account. You must start saving. Good. I'm glad you did. Now we just need to convince her to forget she has a retirement account. Keep putting money into it and just ignore it. Don't look at your statements. Don't watch MSNBC. Don't watch Mad Money. Just ignore the stock market and put in your monthly, whatever you can afford to put in every month. Just keep doing it. And that's pretty much what I'm, uh, I'm planning to do. Good. Thank you very much, Kevin. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's head off to Arkansas. Matt, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, I'm calling because of the uh, mud flap app. I use it every day. I travel Wisconsin to Texas and back. Uh, I got it probably about three or four months after uh, it came out. Uh, When I did that, we were having savings of anywhere between 20 and 80 cents a gallon. Uh, and it was all at the, the small mom and pop shops. Uh, some, uh, some of the bigger ones are starting to get into it, like Casey's and Quick Trip, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and lately, I would say over the last month, month and a half, yeah, our savings have gone down to seven cents to about thirty-five cents a gallon now. Since everything started to do a skyrocket, yeah, so, it seems like um, the volatility and the price is constantly going up, um, and the split between wholesale and retail is what's causing the discounts to get smaller. Which sucks when we need them the most; they're getting smaller, but. Better than not getting a discount. And so far, everybody's uh, opinion of the Mudflap app seems to be pretty positive. Yes, I, I love it. Um, I, I've been having constant issues with one of the uh, fuel companies with it. So I'm always uh, in contact with Mudflap to get it fixed. Um, and they handle it without a problem. They know it's an issue, and they they've been work. They say they've been working on it. 
asshole. Um, yeah, I have no complaints about it whatsoever. Good. It's super easy to use. Um, just got to make sure you have signal on your phone yeah. to use it. <laughs> yeah, which um, I, I swear, internet on the road now is worse than it was 10 years ago. A lot of spots, yeah. And I take a lot of the back roads and everything, too, uh, on my way down. And, yeah, all of a sudden you get a real good price and you go to uh, swipe to get your fuel code and you don't have internet. So it's like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, yeah, I know. So, um, okay, uh, well, excellent. I appreciate all the feedback on this. Uh, it sounds like Herschel should probably go... Uh, Download the Mudflap app and start playing with it. Let's head off to Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good afternoon. What's on your mind today? Uh, well, I just want to touch real quick on the fuel situation. I use NASDAQ and the Mudflap, and I bounce Mudflap off some of the same stations that NASDAQ and uh, random days, Mudflap's the winner. Most of the days, Nasdaq's the winner. Hey, hey, Fred. Don't Fred. Just, yes, sir. You're you're confusing me this morning. You mean Nastic? <laughs> Nastic. I'm sorry. Sorry. I'm New York. I'm from New York. All right. Take it easy now. <laughs> you, you were you were convoluting the stock market with fuel prices, and I'm like, boy, I'm confused. Oh yeah, Nasdaq. That's right. That's right. Nasdaq. That's right. Nastic, nastic. There you okay, go. There we go. Got my got my New York accent out of the way. That's right. Um, I also uh, you can save an extra two cents for the people out there with with uh, Mudflap if you link your checking account to it. Oh, now okay. I've had my checking account to it. I've had my checking account with it over a year. No issues, no problem. I have to pay for the fuel, so it comes out pretty much instantaneously. And they give you an additional two cents off of their discount. Awesome. So, I mean, two cents is two cents. <laughs> two bucks a hundred is a, is a cup of coffee. You know, it, it, it's the little things that can really start to add up. And the only people who pay attention to little things are the people who have already taken care of all the big things. So once you take care of the big things, then it frees up your mind. And you can go look for those penny here, two cents there. And it makes a difference. Right. Now, another thing, um, speed, uh, just, just for other people out there. I drive an old 379 Classic. Um, I have a 12.7 Detroit that I put in here, and I was running between mid to high sixes with this truck. I was driving about 64 to 67. I dropped down to 60 miles an hour consciously. I am in the mid to high seven some days. With this awesome. Truck. Awesome. Yeah. So one of the so, things we, we talk about, we've always used that number, slow down one mile per hour, you pick up one-tenth of a mile per gallon. Slow down 10 miles per hour, you pick up one full mile per gallon. It's like most numbers we use. They're averages. And I can even tell yeah. you which truck is probably going to do better when they slow down, and you are one of them. The worse your aerodynamics right. are, slowing down improves even more 
So you have bad aerodynamics, you have an older truck as far as technology goes, and you are seeing an even bigger increase than what we talk about. You take some of these trucks like yep. uh, that these guys that are out chasing fuel mileage and they're up in the nines and tens. When they slow down, it'll improve, but it won't improve as much as it does for you. No, no, they'll get they'll get your basic tenth tenth per mile yeah, or, or less, similar to that. Yeah, sometimes oh, those right, right. if they're really aerodynamic and they've maxed out everything on fuel mileage, sometimes they'll only get about a half of a tenth per one mile per hour. Right, right. So uh, what I really called for was the economy. Now, like politics, I've been diving deep into the economy, listening to a lot of business and talking heads and investors and speculators and everything else. And a lot of people are saying that we're pretty much at the start of a recession, which technically lasts about 16 to 18 months from what statistics show us, okay? But I'm looking at the load board. I don't know if you have any background data on, on, on the loads per day in truck stop. Now, I'm only looking really at my lanes that I run. Freight hasn't really felt fallen off much. And we, I know trucking is a leading indicator on the, on the economy and, and the strength of the economy. I know we're getting cracks in, in, the, in the rates, but I don't see a crack in the actual movement of the freight unless I'm just in a, a, a good lane. What is your opinion on that? Because I don't think we really hit a recession yet. Oh, no, we haven't. We, we, you know, there are, there are some official numbers we can look at that say when this happens, you're in a recession, just like we can look at, you know, when this happens, you're in a, a bear market. And right now, of right. the big indexes, only the S&P 500 has hit official bear market. The Dow isn't there yet. The right. NASDAQ isn't too, there yet. I know it's, what is it, two consistent quarters of negative GDP is, is a recession technically? That, yeah, they, they've got, and the, with the bear market, we have those metrics we use. But I, I think right. most people agree, whether we're there officially or not, we're there. Um, I, I doubt that right. we're go- not going to go into a recession. I can't see anything that could happen that would stop us from going into a recession. The Fed waited too long to start raising rates. Now they have to raise them aggressively. They, they did a 75 basis points yesterday. We haven't done that since 1994. Right. And if anybody was watching that press conference, he kind of blew past it pretty quickly, but he said, we will probably have to do this again next month. Now we fully expect at least a half a basis point next month, but he said, it may be another 75 basis points next month. That will will crash the economy. It always does. When you start after, you have to start raising interest rates like this. And here's the problem. In order to get to equilibrium, we have to have the interest rate match the inflation rate. The inflation rate last month was 8.6%. So it's going to take them two plus years to get to that. So we have to either hope that inflation rate starts coming down or the Fed's going to have to get even more aggressive on raising their interest rates. And until we get to that point and they stop raising rates, it's hard to predict where we're going. 
So it's just a lot of volatility right. right now, and it's hard to predict. But I can't imagine there's anybody left that thinks there's going to be, you know, any good news coming out of this anytime soon. Right. Well, I caught I caught a, a segment this morning, or maybe it was yesterday afternoon. Um, uh, I don't know the woman's name, but she she seems to think that if the Fed just got out of the way. Because when they raise interest rates, of course, it makes money tighter for small businesses to proceed. And they just take some of the, some of the liquidity out of the market where, um, not, not liquidity, but the, uh, the money coming, uh, well, I guess the money that, that's coming out of the, yeah. the, the stimulus and all that stuff, yeah. you know, um, not just um, that this might work itself out. It's still going to be tough, but she's thinking right. that. They're, them raising rates is going to really put a hamper not just on demand but on small business in general. Oh no, it will. But that's the point. Yeah. That's what you have to right. do to stop inflation. I. Th- who is this person? Because whoever she is, I want to make sure I, n- I never listen to her. Well, I might. I might have. I might have misspoke some of her. Uh, what she said last night, the way she explained it, made sense. It was. It was late last night. I was on, uh, it was a replay of one of the business shows. Um, but if I can find it, I'll 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 re re listen to it. Yeah, I I, I couldn't disagree with her more. As as much as right. raising interest rates is going to hurt, you just have to do it. I I almost wish we would just rip the bandaid off and do it faster. They should have done it sooner. They should just get even more aggressive right now. Let's just get through that pain point because we have to stop inflation. You look at Venezuela, you can't risk rampant inflation. And yes, we have to crash the economy to stop it. Right, right. I got you, I got you. All right, well, anyway, uh, health has been going pretty good. I'm feeling a lot better. The last two weeks I've been eating real clean. Good. That's that's always a good thing. Yeah, you know, um, that's a good point. We have to stay focused on the things we can control. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. I've been just keeping my head down. I don't look at my investments much. I just have the automatic withdrawal coming out of, out of my personal account, going to my my retirement, and I just let it go on automatic pilot. What I might do when I when I start hearing these some of these people saying that we that they think that we've turned a corner, I may st- I may just supply my my IRA because I could do seventy five hundred. I think it is uh, max or seven thousand. I might just you know, oh, just buy that right away and, you know, uh, fund it for this year. Yep. And this way, maybe it'll grow a little quicker. Excellent. Excellent. So, now, I, I think right. you're in great shape. I think uh, my favorite new phrase is about to become hunker down. Hunker down and get ready for the storm and ride it out and then start watching for the opportunities. They're going to be there. The more we talk about it, the more ideas we come up with. I, I love the idea of, you know, pre-buying DEF, go out and get it in bulk, get as much as you can afford and as much as you can store. I, I Nobody called me with a downside to that idea. I can't think of any right now. All right, we are going to wrap this up. I did hear from Mike and Kevin Beckett. They are going to go live in 30 minutes from now. They're going to go live at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time, 10 o'clock here on the West Coast. So you can uh, jump right back in here for Rolling Toe in just about 30 minutes.
So I will see you back here tomorrow for a freaky free-for-all Friday. Uh, Joel has confirmed he'll be with me tomorrow. I haven't heard from John yet. So we will see you then. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.